Welcome to the Kick-Ass Couples Podcast. This is the place where we help committed couples who want to level up their marriage, experience newfound clarity, hope, and confidence. We're Matthew and Kim, co-hosts and husband and wife. In 26 years together, we've seen a lot and never thought it could be as good as it is right now. We're here to help you successfully navigate the messy, dirty, and wonderful world of marriage. We believe all couples deserve and are capable of experiencing an extraordinary and fulfilling marriage. And each week, we're bringing you life lessons from real-life successful couples to help you grow and strengthen your relationship. We'll get started right after this message. If you want to learn how to experience the best, most fulfilling year of your marriage, we invite you to order Matthew's new book, Kick-Ass Husband, Winning at Life, Marriage, and Sex. You can get it at Amazon.com or visit Matthew's website, www.matthewphoffman.com. Again, that's Amazon.com or www.matthewphoffman.com. And now back to the show. With her beloved husband, Joe Vago, by her side, Jillian Floodstrom has several seven-figure businesses in three different industries. Joe has worked hard to develop his real estate business and became successful selling dream homes. For Jillian, between feeling overwhelmed and extreme exhaustion, it was always a struggle to juggle life and work, until one day a life-changing car accident forced her to rethink how she was doing business. Inspired to scale down her life and business, she created a course and product line and began producing her own podcast, Scale Your Small Business. Now, Jill helps small business owners mitigate the feelings of being overwhelmed, chaos, and confusion so they too can grow and scale their businesses. In today's Recap Edition episode, Kim and I will share our key takeaways from our interview with this dynamic couple. We'll break down concepts, relationship qualities, and key pillar points that they've used to build their rock-solid relationship that will stand the test of time. Welcome back to the Kick-Ass Couples Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of doing a recap episode for Joe Vago and Jillian Floodstrom, a couple who really didn't find love till later in their lives, but had some great lessons to teach us about being a kick-ass couple. I really enjoyed this episode. And before we break it down, um, I think it's really important to note that this really kind of hit me hard when we were reviewing the episode because it was actually our last episode um, that we uh, or at last interview that we um, did in Maynard. And so that really hit me hard watching um, to think that, wow, that was the last time we got to enjoy our studio and um, interview a great couple in our studio. So a little bit heartbreaking and um, certainly struck some emotional chords with me as I'm sure it did with you as well. It did. And it's funny. So uh, technology on, on these episodes you're hearing is not the same as we're used to. So we're adjusting until we're able to replace and rebuild our studio. We have a green screen. So our video image, you'll see us come in and out on occasion. It's not intentional, but it's going to happen. But the quality and the integrity and the meaning is still there. And 
We've got a little homage to Maynard in the background, so you can see what our beautiful studio looked like. But we're coming back. We are going to work through the insurance process. We'll be getting another studio. So stay tuned for that exciting announcement as it comes out. But we're going to keep bringing you great articles, great pieces, wonderful interviews with pearls of wisdom that you can use to strengthen your number one relationship. And I I like this couple because they're different than a lot of the couples we've interviewed because they're started later in life. And I think that in their, and I think the biggest difference, Kim, that I saw just kind of generally about that is they brought a real sense of maturity to their relationship because they weren't messing around and they knew what they liked. They both had successful businesses and I think they were ready uh, for something meaningful. They were. And I think what makes them kick ass is that they really believe that goal setting both within the marriage as well as individually has been a big part of their relationship and is what really keeps them grounded. And so I love that they've gone into this relationship with intentional goal setting um, for both of those uh, realities in their life. And so I think that that is what makes them kick ass is that they, um, they are seeking that out and trying to meet those goals on a daily basis. I think it's important to note you mentioned it, but a lot of us have individual goals, personal goals, business goals. And uh, Jillian talked about having an annual meeting, like a shareholders meeting, right? And they do it for their businesses to hold each other accountable, but they do it for their marriage too. And they sit down when they do their business and personal goals and they say, what are the goals for this relationship and how are we doing? And let's rate each other. So, and that's intentionality. And I love their intentionality because we can all talk about what we'd like our relationship to be like and think about the concepts and philosophize and dream about it. But unless we are taking the time to take specific action and work on it and in it, it never happens. And so it's great that where the rubber hits the road, Jillian and Joe, they're doing it and they're walking their talk and they're being intentional in setting those goals, not just for business and personal, but for their relationship as well. They are. And I think another notable thing is that um, they're always adjusting as well. So while they're planning and while they're setting goals, they realize that things change over time and that they may need to um, maybe abandon one thing and um, move on to another. So they're adjusting as, as time goes by. And I think that it's really great great for couples to be able to sit down and see where they are and then look at the future, but also be able to adapt to change and um, different circumstances that may arise. Yeah. I think Kim, kind of one of the big things that I jumped into or I, what I thought, they both had very unique stories about their background, kind of their families of origin. And they were different, yet they both came to the table where love was beautifully modeled for them. They each saw their parents prioritizing their spouse. They had different roles. I think Jill's parents, you know, uh, the mom 
primarily worked full time in the home and the dad worked full time out of the home. But she said, man, they had date nights every single week and come hell or high water. They planned and booked and spent that time together. So they got to invest in their relationship. And uh, so that was modeled for her. And she said they took vacations. They had a, a, a cabin or a summer place they went to. And she said halfway through the year, mom and dad would be like, it's our vacation. And they left the kids. And so they went and had vacation on their own because they knew they had to have those connection points. And kind of similarly, uh, Joe growing up, his parents, he, I think he said there was a 30 year age difference. Um, between his parents. And he said, he goes, I was the oop. So the, oh my gosh, we're going to have another child. And he said that worked to his advantage because both of his parents, when he was born, were retired. So he had two full-time parents raising him. And he said, beautiful relationship, faith. And he got to see what uh, prioritization looked like, how they worked with each other. And I thought that was beautiful. So it's interesting because I don't know if we've had too many couples where they both had a similar modeled experience where they came from a secure home, parents modeled prioritization, and they both came to the relationship with a similar viewpoint of what love should look like. And I think that's why, even though these guys have only been married two years, they're so much further along and so mature in their relationship because it was modeled for them. And you and I talk about it all the time. It's so critical uh, how we experience love growing up because it's what we bring to the relationship. Yeah. I can only hope that we have been those great role models for our own children. You know, we try and we strive and um, you know, I want to, I want to see our, our own children have an incredible relationship. So this is such a gift that um, her parents were such a great role model for her. And, you know, they came to their marriage later in life. We talked about them being in their forties when um, they found each other and got married and they're newly married. And so they're still sort of in their honeymoon phase, but they are very mature in their relationship. And they went into their relationship discussing, you know, we're going to come into this, but, um, and we both realize that there aren't any outs. We're not going to take, there's no exit strategies. You know, we are in this for life. Um, we are committed and we're going to do whatever it takes to have a successful marriage. Yeah, I like that. There's there's no plan B. I think Joe said something like, till death do us part. He said, I took that seriously. And he goes, that's my plan and I'm not going to waver from it. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, it's important for couples to really sit down and have those conversations before they get married, really um, sort of dissect where they are and where they want to be and what their commitment looks like to each other before they actually um, get married and make that um, a lifelong commitment. Yeah, and I think they did that. And I think, you know, something came, uh, the next thing that really stuck out to me when we're talking about communication and um, we know how critical communication, we've got commitment, communication and conflict resolution, our second C, which you hear us talk about all the time. And one of the traditions that they've established in their relationship is they said, we will always have at least one meal together 
a day. And it sounds silly or maybe like that's not a big deal. And they said, typically it's dinner. But um, Jillian was talking about, she said, hey, there was a time when I had a huge meeting in the morning and she said, Joe made a really nice brunch breakfast. And when she got out of the meeting, they sat down, they connected, they talked. What's our day look like? What are we doing? And they just made sure they had those touch points. And we talk all the time about communication and touch points. But so my question to you, to our listeners today is what kind of traditions do you have set up based on communication? Kim and I love to ruck together. You've heard us talk about that before when we go for long walks because we're away from the house. There's no technology. We're in nature and we go for about an hour and 15 minutes and it gives us a great opportunity to connect without influences. And so that's one of our traditions. Another where we work out of Maine for the summer and we have a front porch with rockers and we'll go out in the morning with our cups of coffee or be inside where the sun's coming in and we'll share about our inspiration, about our study. But those are really just touch points and anchors and ways for us to make sure that we're connecting and that we're in sync with each other. And that practice is just critical. And they're doing that. And it's over a meal and they have fun and they enjoy that. And that's a a tradition for Joe from his culture is really communicating and sharing over a meal. So I thought, what a great thing to do. So if you don't have traditions set up around communication and really tethering with your partner, think about what you could start to make sure that communication is occurring. When it comes to creating a kick-ass marriage, do you ever wonder what you could be doing better? Have you ever thought how helpful it would be to be a part of a like-minded community of other imperfect couples who want to level up in their number one relationship? Come visit Kick-Ass Couples Nation, where you can talk with people just like you who are looking for ways to invest in and increase their joy, commitment, and fulfillment in their most important human relationship. You'll have access to a team of licensed marriage therapists, coaches, articles, podcasts, live webinars, and more. Just visit MatthewPHoffman.com so you can learn more about a community that's ready to help you level up. That's MatthewPHoffman.com so you can become of the growing kick-ass couples nation right now. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, they phrased it as breaking bread together. And I love that visual of, you know, breaking bread, not just sharing a meal, but sharing of ourselves as well. So making time to connect. We know that we need to make that a priority in our relationship. And they're doing it, which is great. And I think that's uh, an attribute of a successful and healthy relationship. And that's why they're happy. Yeah. We talked about pillars with them, other pillars other than our three C's, um, which is um, commitment and communication and conflict resolution. In addition to that, Jillian picked humor, fun and humor. And it sounds like they have a lot of that in their relationship. They love being goofy and weird and um, sort of they have their own little lingo that they use with each other. And the importance of that shows up a lot in their relationship when they're maybe having some conflict with each other. Um, They will say, oh, you know, one of them's feisty and the other one's kind of getting on the other one's nerves. And the next thing you know, they'll break out in song. Um, Joe typically will start singing. Oh, I have a friend in Jesus. (laughs) So Jill knows when she hears that. 
uh oh, something's up. Or if they're together with other people, he might just say that phrase and she goes, ooh, things are, you know, a, a danger alert, right? Right, right. So that's sort of their code word for, um, you know, we're, we're having a little conflict here. Things are getting a little edgy. Um, but I love that because then they can kind of laugh at whatever might be happening in that moment and it becomes lighthearted and it sort of takes the um, seriousness out of whatever they may be having a challenge with. And so I love that that's important to them because I believe that fun and humor in a relationship is critical. And I don't think couples take the time out enough to allow those things to come into the relationship. Yeah. You got to let humor break the mesmerism. Sometimes you're just so focused on something. We've heard another couple we interviewed, the husband licks her face, you know, uh, Elise Archer and Justin, her husband, he licks her face and, you know, it totally catches her off guard and makes her laugh. I'll do the same thing with Kim. And, you know, kind of an interesting thing. They telecommute. They both have offices in the home across the hall with doors they can shut. But she, Jillian said, you know, you might be getting a little testy. I might hear some screams in the other room. And, you know, the new reality is, is that when you live and work together, you got to be really sharp because you're around each other all the time. There's really no break necessarily. You might be working in the other room, but your other, your, your partner is there. And so having humor and having those connection points is huge to make sure that you're able to navigate that successfully. And with COVID and the rise of telecommuting, we're dealing with that so much more today. And they found a way to make that work too. Yeah. And another thing they said is that they really listen out for each other while they are in separate offices, in separate rooms. They can still um, at times here, especially if things get heated in a conversation or um, maybe there's a little bit of turmoil going on and, and they're really um, aware and also attentive to the other person's needs. Should that arise checking in, Hey, you know, are you okay? Uh, can I get you a cup of coffee? Do you need to take a break? Let's go take a walk. Let's go walk the dog. So I feel like they're very in tune to each other and each other's needs which is really nice to hear. Yeah. That means they're connected. That means they're not in their silos. And, you know, Jillian said, I might be working and I could just, I hear something going on and I could be selfish and say, I've got to keep working. I got to get through this or, Ooh, I think my spouse needs me. I need to go lighten the, 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 the mood a little bit. Or Joel will say, Ooh, he might tap on the door and say, Hey babe, can I get you a cup of coffee, something cold to drink? You know, because they're aware and they're taking those active steps in the moment to show the support and help diffuse. And even if they don't, your spouse doesn't say, yes, I want or need those things. They feel a lot better because they see you're prioritizing them and you're aware of them and you're trying to be part of their support, which is which is critical. And that kind of leads in the conflict resolution, our third C. And what was interesting is there wasn't anything crazy or new about how they resolve conflict. They like to face it and do it right away. And like most couples we talk to and Kim and I in our relationship, I'm a pursuer. I want to handle stuff. I want to get it off the decks. I want it resolved and over. And Kim likes to think and process and feel and take a little bit more time. So we have that classic distancer and pursuer relationship and Jillian and Joe are the same way. Jillian said, I want it done. She's like me. I want it taken off the deck. So let's handle it. And Joe's like, Ooh, let me think. 
give me some time. And they learned how to respect that difference, recognize it and give each other what they need so they can work through it. And also they're not always trying to resolve conflict. They know, Hey, we may just have to say, we're not going to see eye to eye on this, but at least we understand each other. And I think one of the important things that we, that came up in the interview with them, Kim, is we've used this acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. And these are conditions. If you're facing conflict, we've talked about this before. It's a Gottman theory that we subscribe to and we love. If you are H, hungry. If you are A, angry. If you are L, lonely. Or T, tired. H-A-L-T. If those are any things that are front and center in your cerebral cortex or they're getting in the way, you got to handle those needs first before you should handle or approach or discuss conflict. Because if you're hungry and you're trying to work out a conflict, that hunger is going to make you a different person as you're loving and speaking and talking to your partner. Same thing if you're angry, if you're lonely or you're tired. I go to bed a little earlier than my wife. She's more of a night owl. I'm a morning person. And one of the things that we had to learn how to handle, so 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30, I'm in decline mode. I want to read, turn the lights off and go to bed. She'd be just warming up and go, hey, honey, couple, I only got four things I want to talk about. And she used to get really upset with me because she said, you don't want to talk about these issues. That's what she felt. I did want to talk about them, but I was tired and the timing wasn't right. So what I had to learn to say is not shut down, roll over and go to bed and say, sweetheart, are these critical things that we have to handle right now? Would you mind if we scheduled a different time, perhaps earlier in the day to go over them? And if they were critical, she'd say, well, there's one of the four that I really like to talk to you about and we could do it or we could reschedule another time because I learned, she learned when we're tired, neither one of us can be effective in seeking understanding or resolving conflict. So that's that didn't used to be the way in our relationship. She'd get angry. I'd get upset. And there was a conflict because I didn't want to talk when she was ready to talk. And we had to learn how to negotiate that. So it worked for both of us. And I think that um, they're doing that well. And uh, we talk about that acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. But it's been really helpful in our relationship to make sure are all my basic needs met before I bring myself to discuss an issue that could have some conflict in it. That's a great example because it's as really as simple as that. It could just be one of those other underlying things that are really agitating you and adding to um, whatever conflict there may be. So, and you can't take it personally. It's not, you know, we, we always want to think it's about us and we have to step outside our own reality and be willing to go, okay, they may need to have to handle something here to be best prepared. That's what the dance is all about. Yeah. I think one more thing that stood out to me uh, before we close this interview is, or recap, I should say, is that they met um, online and we haven't really talked a lot about online dating, but it's really the way of the world right now. A lot of people due to COVID, due to maybe they are not, um, maybe they're not extroverts and they don't feel comfortable going out and meeting people in that way. They just said if they had to go back and give themselves advice that they would say that person is out there, don't be afraid and know that you are going to find them. So if any of you are pursuing online dating right now, I think that's great advice. 
your partner, your significant other is out there. So don't be afraid to jump in and um, really open yourself up and find that special someone. Yeah. That's what Jill was saying. She said, you know, she said, I'm a little geeky. She said, you guys may not know this, but I used to work in the coroner's office. She goes, I am a science nerd and geek. And she said, some people find that off putting and she was ready to throw the towel in. And, but through her faith and, you know, I always, the person that you need, needs you. Um, and so it, it's kind of part of that. I call it the divine economy, right? Your need is somebody else's want. And, you know, the two of you can get put together. And Joe said also his piece of advice to his unmarried self is to communicate your needs early, your wants and your desires. He said, that's my advice to somebody that's looking for a relationship, because if that other person, that partner's not willing to meet those needs and doesn't share the desires, that's a red flag. And even if you've decided to build that life together and make that commitment, or even if you've been in a relationship for 25 years, if your partner doesn't know and you're not communicating your needs and your desires and your wants, and I'm not just talking about uh, you picking up your socks off the floor, putting the toilet seat down and the cap on the toothpaste. It could be in the bedroom. It could be intimacy. It could be how you like to be talked to or don't. It could be how you like to be touched or don't like to be touched. All those things are just part of the inventory of asking the right questions. So we get to know our partners more intimately and uh, in a way that brings us closer together. We talk about love languages and I don't think couples realize how vital it is to know your partner's love language. It's so important to know how that person likes to be loved. And so I would encourage our listeners, if you don't know your partner's love language, talk about it, figure it out, know it, learn it and express it. Yeah. And it's primary, secondary, and tertiary. I mean, it's not just about getting number one all the time. It's not about one. It's not a, it's not a, a single note language. It's got a lot of different nuances in it. And although Kim's last love language might be getting a gift, doesn't mean I never buy her gifts. I do. I just know that that's not going to light her up the most. So I'm looking at her top three and saying, and I, we, we talk about this all the time. I'll ask her, how well am I feeling your love tank? one to 10. She's never said 10. I think the highest I gotten was a nine, five. So I've always had opportunities. And if you're, you know, that's an easy question to ask and touch base. So, you know, a lot of great stuff from this couple married two years, married later in life. And, uh, we appreciate the time they took to share with us so we can share it with you. And if you're in a relationship, if you're out of a relationship, if you love your relationship, if you're treading water, or man, you just want to know how you can take it higher. We've developed a platform, not only in this podcast, but in Kick-Ass Couples Nation. So please go to MatthewPHoffman.com. Look at Kick-Ass Couples Nation. We've got monthly webinars. We're doing one this evening online on security. And we're going to spend an hour with our panel of licensed marriage therapists talking about what is security in a relationship? How do you strengthen it? How do you make it better? And what can you do with our support to get there in your relationship. So thanks for tuning in. We're glad you've been with us today and we look forward to seeing you out there. That's all we've got for this episode of the Kick-Ass Couples Podcast. If you like the content of this show, you'll love Matthew's newly released book, Kick-Ass Husband, Winning at Life, Marriage and Sex. 
to receive a digital mini book of quotes and images from the book, all you have to do is rate this show and leave a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to listen. Then email us a screenshot of your review at podcast at kickasscouplespodcast.com and we'll get it over to you right away. Until next time, remember, happily ever after doesn't just happen, it's on purpose.